Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that knew that our season ending was going to be as disappointing as Game of Thrones. This week on Heart and Hand, goodbye to season Mr. Fun Sponge, come on. I've heard on your boss that if somebody did want to grow arms and legs, they would have to write for permission first, and you'd deny it. But uh, to, the com- that's... Well, to the committee, which is... Yeah, exactly, to the committee, and, and then it would be heard. That I could, yeah, exactly. Um, I need a pass where you'll need to wait. Um, we've only got enough four hours to get to Aberdeen. But uh, joining me as well, it's uh, the man with too many shoes, but no dog, Mr. Colin McMillan. <laughs> Hello, good evening both of you. How are you? Happy end of season, I suppose. Yeah, it kind of feels that way, doesn't it? It feels the, the sort of last day of school. We can all take games in and just basically muck about till home time. And that's kind of what Rangers did at Kilmarnock, unfortunately. And as I said in the intro, look, I think that we knew, um, we said this last week on the show, that the gaffer immediately after the win last week, basically said, oh, the team next week, you know, I wouldn't expect to see the say, and I thought, right, okay, here we go. Um, it did sort of feel in a way, Andy, that the season ended after the Celtic match, but I, I didn't have many illusions. Uh, I was at rugby party yesterday. Uh, we knew that Arfield was away. We knew that uh, he'd also given Nico Katic a holiday. We then go in to find no Tav, no Davis, even in the 18. McGregor still suspended. 
and you just thought, mm, I wonder how seriously we're taking this. It times didn't appear massively. No, it was no, it was no surprise. I mean, I was talking to my commander supporting pal the day before, and I said to him, "Look, you, you'll probably win tomorrow because I think as soon as you start giving players holidays, uh, I think it sets the tone." You can then argue that they should be professional and play, the fans are paying good money and so on and so forth, but uh, Kilmarnock needed to win yesterday. They had a lot more to play for. It was Stevie Clark's big send-off. The, 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 the ground was as full as it's ever going to be for Kilmarnock. And I just felt that if we came away yesterday with anything, it would actually have been a surprise to me. And I know that sounds pretty shocking, but that's, that's the way I felt about it. I half expected Mark Haley to centre off. <laughs> it, it had that, yeah, it had that feel, and that's. Uh, I've had a few Rangers fans getting in touch with me today to say, "Oh, every game matters to us, you know, we're Rangers, and it's a, a disgrace and everything." And I thought it's not new. Um, and as as you alluded to there, I mean, I remember being in the crowd at Rugby Park, Mark Hately playing centre half. Uh, spoiler alert for those who don't know the story: wasn't a very good centre half. <laughs> um, and Rangers lost that game, and it just had that that end of season feel to it, Colin. Um, Rangers started reasonably well, I thought. Um, could have had a goal pretty early on when uh, the returning Alfredo Morelos had a shot saved by the keeper from the rebound. Daniel Kandias hit the bar. Another couple of half chances in the opening 15 minutes, but then gave away an absolutely shocking goal. The manager said that it was redolent of what happened the last time it was Kilmarnock. There was a wee element of that. Glenn Kamara caught, if you wanted a, a comparison between the difference uh, of last week and this week's matches, Glenn Kamara caught dawdling on the ball by Malumbu, chip over the top, Barisic caught out of position. There's Chris Buck to, to put the ball away. And you know Glenn Kamara caught on the ball didn't happen once last week, happened several times on, on Sunday. And, and to me, that was quite emblematic of the difference in approach. Yeah, I think it was clear from the lineup. It was clear, like you said, in the build-up to the match this week, that it wasn't going to be the top priority, really, for anybody other than the fans in, this, in the actual stadium. And it started that way, and it pretty much pittered out that way the, the, most of the game. And for me... It kind of shows us up a little bit in terms of when we do rest players, when we give people the day off, we don't have that strength and depth to bounce back and perform the way we can. And um, Kamarnock just obviously wanted it a hell of a lot more of than we did yesterday. They were much more interested. There was a lot more in it for them. And we we just decided it wasn't that big a deal. And I think when you look at the bigger picture, you look at the short pre-season we're going to have in terms of when the qualifying is going to start for the Europa League, then it's probably the right thing to do. We're going to see the benefit of guys like Tav, guys like Arfield, who have, between them, played a lot of football. Arfield's had a lot of injuries. This extra week or so that they're going to get off is going to make a huge difference come July, come August, and nobody will be thinking about this game at the weekend, to be fair. I get what the manager was doing. I do. And, look, you know, I paid money to go and see the game yesterday, but, as you say, it's, it's something that, really won't be remembered past this week, in all honesty, and if we get off to a good start next season. I was disappointed at the game, I've got to admit, because there was a slackness to us that hasn't been there in the last few weeks. Human nature kicks in. Are you going to risk an injury? Are you going to, in the last day, really put that extra 10% in? When you've nothing to play for, and I know people will say, "Oh, but this," but they, you know, they couldn't go further up in the league. They couldn't come down. I personally would have wanted to finish as close to the top as, as possible, but 
as I say, just that human nature element kicks in. And you could see a few tackles that you were thinking, right, okay, this isn't, especially after the intensity of the week before. Andy, uh, Colin referred to a few fringe players coming in. Those are the guys that when you bring in fringe players in the match like this, you're hoping that they might, because they do have something to play for, they do have something to prove, play a little bit better. And certainly at the ground yesterday, there was a lot of criticism for Borna Barisic, an awful lot of criticism for him. Um, I have to temper that by saying I thought he had a poor match. Uh, I, I thought that he looked cumbersome, didn't get up and down the flank particularly well. His crossing was poor. He had, a, I think, a minor part in the first goal, but certainly, obviously, a, a big part in the second. And overall, he had a really disappointing game. However, trying to be you know quite fair about it, once I'd kind of walked away from the ground, calmed down a bit, I thought it was his first game back in a long time, plastic pitch, etc. You, you, you do have to be... I think, aware of the, the circumstances. But then when I said that to someone, the point put back to me, and it's a fair one, was, yeah, but this isn't a one-off. This isn't something that we, we haven't seen. So I'm kind of torn on it, in all honesty. I'm not quite sure where I fall on it. I'll, I'll be honest and say that over the course of the season, he hasn't really impressed me. I don't doubt that he has talent. I just don't think he shows it enough. There are questions about his attitude. Um, but I think to pick on him for yesterday might be a little bit harsh given, as I say, it is a comeback match and in comeback matches you're going to be a bit rusty. Aye, so the, so the, the jury's out on him. It's quite clear that um, he was signed on the back of obviously more than just the games against us. That was when we seen him, but I'm pretty sure the Rangers had seen him a lot more than that. I certainly hope so and I certainly think that'll be the case. And when he did sign, I was the same as you, Davey. I thought this guy's going to be a real, real asset to us. He just looked like a, a bombing left-back pace, a pair of crossing, scored a goal against us, so we had a, a threat. It's never really happened for him. He's, he's shown it in glimpses. And I think the problem that you've you've alluded to there is that we just stand to question, and certainly managers questioned it, whether he's got the the grit, the the the... Uh, I don't I'm trying to think of the word, but the the kind of cojones. Uh, cojones is a good word. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're an English graduate. The cojones to actually make it in the very games like yesterday. So that was what I was looking for him to show that actually he can go to rugby park playing a shit surface against a team that's going to be all over him in his face, and. He kind of fell short once again, the same as he fell short at Livingston in the first game of the season at Livingston when we get beat. It was the exact same kind of performance. I thought he was badly at fault for the first goal, Davey. I actually thought that um, the whole team get caught ball watching, including him. And uh, I thought I thought that too, and I thought he didn't exactly break a you know break no, his neck to get back. He was that far out of position. It didn't. He could have been on a motorbike and still no go him. So it was really. I thought it was a horrendous goal from his point of view, and I think you could see his reaction when the ball hit the net. He knew, fuck, <laughs> yeah, that was my fault, and I'm going to get it for that. So uh, oh, it's still, it's still Kamara's fault. I mean, he's been well, just caught dawdling yeah, on the ball. I think. Well, I, I, I disagree. David. Kamara's got a bit of credit in the bank, and it's, under, it's understandable. But he's got a bit of credit in the bank, and aye, yeah, and but. I, I take your point. I mean, it just was a bad goal. It just was a very, very it's a bad poor, goal. Poor goal. Poor goal. 
but I don't know what we do with Barisic now because you 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 need to say right there's assets there's there's qualities there do you sell them and get something when he's still a, a Croatian international a kind of burgeoning Croatian international which counts for something or do we actually cut our losses and say right uh, get rid of him I, I I I don't know it depends who you get in I think we need another left back oh we definitely need another left back I think that for me. Colin, you sit down with him in the summer and you say, look, this league ain't going to change. This is what it is. Do you want to be here? Because we are going to need you to play in this breakneck, weird wee league of ours. Yes, I know it's not the football maybe that you grew up playing. I know it's not maybe not the football you want to play. But this is what we need. We need you to adapt it because that ain't going to change. And maybe just say, look, this is your get out. Otherwise, we'll just, you know, you can go off to a league that you feel more comfortable in, shake hands, forget about it, rather than maybe persevering if, if he feels deep down. I, I just, we've seen it before, talented players come to Scotland, not just at Rangers, at other clubs. And because of the strange way our league is, just do not settle. Then they go to a league that's quite clearly a better league and they do well. Yeah, it's. I mean, probably the, the, the people that know better better about this than us, guys like Michael Beale spoke about this on the pod recently. That how different our league is to every other league in terms of physicality, in terms of refereeing, in terms of pretty much every aspect of it. And when you have a guy like Barris, it's just a guy that every single Rangers fan is quite excited about us getting after what we'd seen of him, uh, what we thought we were getting as a player. And going into the summer, I think left backs are a really important thing that we need to get right because on paper, Barisic should be the answer. He's a Croatian international. He's got everything in his locker that you think you would need and be able to do, but he's not. He's consistently shown us that he's not doing it when it matters. And should we persevere with it and hope he's going to come on to a game next season? Are we leaving it too late then to get a quality full time replacement in for him? And then we end up with a patchwork left back again for the majority of next season, uh, which could become even more important depending on what happens with Tav in the right back situation. So I think the whole um, full back situation is a big thing this summer that we need to get right. And in terms of having a conversation with Barisic and just laying it on the line to him, yes, we probably should do that. But I'd be shocked if that's not been done already, um, particularly after the, the Liverpool uh, the Liverpool bounce game that we had, mm. where he sort of came back in from the cold again. And the fact that he's not really played on the plastic pitches this season, he's been rested on them when he was getting a game. He was brought in yesterday for that when Halliday could have played at left back. He could have had Cal Calabari, Calabari in there instead of Halliday in midfield. It seems to me he's already had the kind of the he's had the sort of a uh, chance yesterday to show us what you can do on this pitch. This is your chance, and again, it's not happened. So, like Andy says, I just don't know where we go with this, but it's really important we get it right. Whatever we do. In a league with three plastic pitches, incidentally, we can't sign players who can't play in them because it's just potentially too many games, I think, in the summer. That, that needs to be... Uh, it's not ideal. I would ban them, but while they're there and with the fact that we could see more of them coming in, I think that players who say, oh, I, I can't really play in these because of injury, we can't afford to carry too many of those. Um, Rangers had gone for a more functional midfield, Andy. Uh, obviously, Arfield was in... Uh, was on holiday and we'd uh, put Daniel Kindeis in. Daniel Kindeis, you know, you'll get a lot of effort made one of those days where he can have where his, his touch isn't very sure. No Tav, and we badly missed him because John Flanagan is, is not the same type of player. Uh, solid enough at the back, but going forward doesn't offer anyone near what Tav does. Barisic clearly was brought in to try and cut, you know, make up for that, but he had a bad game. So we would no creativity in the middle of the park, uh, although Ryan Jack did... 
Uh, again, I thought he had uh, quite a, a poor game in terms of his passing, but he at least tried to make stuff happen going forward. It was really left to Ryan Kent and Kilmarnock put three men on him whenever he got the ball. Uh, and he still showed up occasionally, but it, we really did lack creativity. And we saw a lot of the bad things from this season come back into our play, which was a lot of side-to-side passing, the centre-halves getting an awful lot of touches, far too many touches, and eventually ending with a long ball up to Alfie more often than not. Uh, you're, you're bang on because that is exactly what I said yesterday. Come back to the game, I said that was a, basically a photo fit of our of the games that cost us this season. The, the the reliance on Kent, the kind of uh, dip in form of some players that should be doing better. So you're looking at Kandias and Barisic there, and then as you say, especially against a team like Kamarnock who are well drilled and are quite happy to sit in front of us, uh, the the kind of use of our centre halves. Being are, are, are becoming more and more kind of the, the, the go-to players in the team. They're happy for that to happen, especially when it's Worrell. Um, not so much Golson, because he can sometimes pick a pass, but that that's exactly what happened. They were happy, content. He sat in front of us, allowed our centre-halves a ball. Uh, Jack, with the greatest respect to him, is a complimentary midfielder for me. He is not going to be your main man at any point in time for Rangers. He is going to be a complimentary player to the likes of Davis. And dare I say it, Kamara. Kamara was pretty disappointing, I thought. But um, I, it was it was pretty predictable for Rangers. The 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 one bit of magic we got off Kent when he when he unlocked the uh, unpicked the lock for the for our goal and, and found Jack in the box was uh, was um, you, you can't fault Kent for for no time responsibility. He always always tries to beat his man. He always tries to create something. Um, and that's why it's so important that if we don't keep him next year, we're going to have a hell of a job in our hands finding somebody that can do the same job as him. Mm. Uh, of course, the uh, reports coming out that the manager said after the match that we have tried to get him back on loan from Liverpool, waiting to hear back from Liverpool, who rate him at £12 million, which would, of course, rule us out of a move for him. Colin, speaking of Ryan Kent, um, you're a, a white guy who um, thinks, <laughs> thinks that... Uh, who thinks that he is, uh, shall we say, more has more in common with uh, people from the African-American culture. Um, I noticed that Ryan Kent has an Only God Can Judge Me tattoo. You must have one of them, right? I haven't yet, actually, no. Oh, um, I'm surprised at that. Must be a big Tupac fan, is Ryan Kent. I'm sure yeah. he's got that somewhere. Oh, well, he did. I think he does now. I, um, I, I always like that, Only God Can Judge Me. Well, yeah, and the judge. Yeah, if you if you try that one in court, I don't think it's a particularly successful defence. Uh if you go it'd be great if it did, you know, you turned up and you went like only God can judge me and the judge went, Ah oh, Right, okay then mate, on you go. You know, I don't I, it just doesn't happen that often. Um Kent, I'd love to see back. I don't know what the possibility is. Rangers are working very, very hard on it. It will come down to what his club want, of course. They they have his contract. He wants to stay. He would love to stay for another season. It'll just come down to whether Liverpool say, no, nope, we want to get the money in through the door this summer. We've got a bit of rebuilding to do. And and I think there's this thing in, in Scotland that we go, oh, well, they get so much TV money anyway. Well, what's it to them? That's not how businesses run. If they've got a £12 million asset, they will try and get £12 million in from that they can reinvest. That's sort of what a chief exec's job is. And look, while I'm sure Liverpool are happy to do favours for Stephen Gerrard, they ain't doing them, what, realistically, about an £8 million worth of a favour. 
No, they're, they're definitely not. And I don't think he, Stephen Gerrard would expect them to do that either. Um, realistically, Liverpool are probably not even responding or looking at any offers we're making at the moment for Ryan Kent because they've got something far bigger to look at in the imminent future rather than Ryan Kent's future. But I like the fact that we're off the mark early. We've put our offer in. We've made it clear what we want. And I think it is going to be down to Liverpool more than down to Ryan Kent. I think if Liverpool give the agreement to go out on loan, there's only one club he's going to go to. Um, he's that, went that, other, I agree with that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's went other places and not particularly enjoyed it. Um, he's not played the same volume of football. He's not had the same success or the same accolades. I think he gets it. I think he really enjoys it here, particularly the big games. He's he's not a player that only comes alive in the big games because he's pretty consistent. He's getting consistent, certainly more so than he was at the start of the season. But he, he has that little bit extra in the big games, doesn't go missing. And the big, big thing is that the, the team across the city are scared of him. And oh yes, Lustig in particular has <laughs> yeah. nightmares about Ryan Kent. Yes, and I think he's I think he's bought into that. I think if we sit him down and tell him that the plans for next season are this, and we're going to do this, we're going to buy this, and we really think we've got a good chance of winning this title, I think he'd really, really, really want to be a part of that. I don't see him going anywhere else. He knows he's not going to play for Liverpool, and it will come down to whether Liverpool want to cash in or give it another year. I believe he's still got a good few years left in the contract at Liverpool. It's I think at least it's twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a case of. Liverpool think if we don't sell him now, we'll never sell him. He'll just go in a Bosman. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they give him another year's loan. We just need to wait and see. But like I say, I hope he stays. I, I think he's really important. And going into next season, if we looking at where the creativity in our teams came from this season, it's came from either Tav or it's came from um, Arfield in the second half of the season. There's not a lot of it came from anywhere else in the team. So he's going to be so, so important to actually share some of that next season if he's here. Andy, see when he arrived, uh, I remember on the show we said he didn't really cause much excitement and I think part of that was we hadn't had a successful type of loan for these guys. You think back, we had ZLM, we did okay in bits, we had Heinemann started well, you know, went downhill afterwards, you could say same about Adua. I could name, you know, a lot of these young people loans that come from academies and do very little. There was a kid from Man City, of course. Kent's probably the first one that's worked. I don't think it's somebody else. I can't yeah. think. Yeah, I mean, there the, were the guys who had the you know, as I say, Hangman's a key example. Came in, had a big initial impact, but then really uh, went off the boil quite quickly. And I think that that maybe he has at least opened up the possibility to to is that okay, this can work for us. As as Colin says, he played a lot of football. He showed up in big matches. You know, he wasn't just doing it against lesser lights. And it shows you that that. There is a possibility because we unfortunately need to operate in that market. This is not a market we can afford to reject. But Kent shows you that it doesn't have to be just advantageous for the loaning club. No, no. So, but Kent's a wee bit different in that he is the full package. He he's obviously came from a, a supreme academy in Liverpool. But even in the, in the early days when he was playing for his in folk, weren't too sure about him. And you obviously get fans that make their mind up after 20 minutes and that kind of stuff. But what, what I liked about Kent was his absolute diligence to doing things for the team, even when he himself isn't playing so well. And that was a kind of nod towards the type of player he is. It was a nod towards what he wanted to do for us. And it was in contrast to like Sajaria, who came for the exact same place, which was um, he picked and chose when he wanted to turn it on. And ultimately, his heart wasn't in it. Kent's heart has been in it for day one, as far as I can see. 
I think that might be doing his relationship with the manager, Mick Beale as well, because obviously there's a background there. And I think he wants to prove himself. Um, whether he'll make it or not, I don't know. I don't know if he's actually at that level. He, he, he was asked about it, Andy, and he said, you know, do, do you still have ambitions playing for Liverpool? And he said quite tersely, no. Oh, well. So... Um, I yeah. think he's he's aware that, he's that enough. yeah, uh, I think he knows that's not uh, an option for him. It, well, he's in the same boat as the likes of Harry Wilson there because he's the same kind of player, a, su- a superb young player, done his job, done shown up extremely well in his loan move, but their next move is a is a big move. Um, but I I, I I thought he's been great for the first minute I seen him. I just I just thought he was a great wee player, even when he wasn't playing well. He worked hard. He, he tracked back on yeah. that. And yeah, that very, kind of thing to me counts for a lot. Yeah, very good. His first game in Europe, remember, he came in on loan um, for about you know an hour before, <laughs> and he got pitched in a European game and, and done a real shift. And I thought, oh, there's there's something happening here. So he's had a good season. Alfie, of course, has had uh, an excellent season in terms of goal scoring. He hit thirty. He won the uh, and don't cringe too hard, people. It made my ball shoot up into my throat. The tartan boot. I know, um, for top goal scorer in Scotland with his second half strike. Uh, Colin, we got the full Alfie yesterday. He, um, I I thought that the team over-relied on him um, to cover up their own failings. The fact that the passing was off in midfield uh, and wide, we weren't doing as much as we wanted to. The, they started lumping it to him and said, don't oh, you go and compete for us, which you know he did. He was still a bit rusty. You could see that popped up with a goal. And uh, gets booked for gesturing to the Kilmarnock fans. It was right in front of me. He did do it. <laughs> There's no doubt. Could have been red carded for applauding the referee, who we will come to in a minute. And uh, it was just Alfie's greatest hits in one afternoon. Yeah, it was. If, if his agent wants to put a video together for any prospective clubs, just give them that recording of that match because it literally was it was the the, the three or four sides of Alfredo Morelos that you get the, the three faces of Alfie. Um, he did something great. That that goal that he finished was an absolute superb finish. That I can't, don't think many players in the league could have finished that goal the way he did. Um, but he also showed some of the petulance that we've seen. He showed the the nonsense, the play acting that when he went down with the injury with the goalkeeper. I don't know if you've seen some of the clips back, but he's his face up looking for the referee. When the referee comes over, he then drops down to the ground and starts rolling about. Um, he also inspired the team to kind of rely on him too much and went back to some of the old stuff that happens. This isn't his fault, but him being in the team is a project, a product of the team passing the ball to him and Alfie do things and he can't always do it. But he showed yesterday for me that as much as I love him, I am ready, I think, to move on from Alfredo Morelos and I can completely see the upside of cashing in and what we can do with that money we hopefully get for him rather than relying on him because I do think the team plays better without him and I know this is crazy because he's by far our best player but he just he isn't conductive to the best team performances that we've seen and I think with, with the, um, the the suspension that he had towards the end of the season it gave us a real opportunity in this um, split to see what we can do without him and we saw it, we liked it, we put our best run of victories together all season, seven in a row I think it was, six, six sorry it was almost seven wasn't it and um, well, it, it no, let... not not really. It was six, and then we got beat yesterday. <laughs> thanks, there's thanks, no, for, for, thanks well, for there's, there's no real almost, <laughs> and we weren't even like ahead and got pegged back. You know, it was like no, we got we got beat. But I I, I do take your point, Andy. 
first of all, Colin, that was very brave of you because uh, there are, there's a section of Rangers support who adore Alfie. I think we all love him in certain ways, but there's a section who just cannot uh, abide any criticism of him. The fact that you were suggesting the uh, the heresy of of letting him go out the door, I think, well, uh, you, you'll have a busy inbox the next few days, I'm, put it that I'm, way. I'm a very brave guy, you know that. Yeah, be, be alpha male. Be That's prepared it. for for that. But, Andy, uh, is it a quandary? Because I think Colin's right. I think that we, weirdly, absolutely counterintuitively, look a better side without someone who I would agree is our best player or our most talented player. Because, and it's not his fault, I think that to utilise Alfie properly, you have to play a certain system, a 4-3-3. I think he's shown he doesn't like and doesn't really fit into a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3 or whatever. It, it, it helps if he is playing that 4-3-3. He prefers it. And this is absolutely not his fault. That A lot of the other players tend to play at him rather than through him. And they play through Defoe and Arfield, who's a key part of that. But it's ball in the deck, play through the middle. With Alfie, they tend to go, ah, well, Alfie's like, I'll just hit it up there and let him go and compete for it. And he's so good that he can actually do that and score goals from that. Just go and win a high ball and and then beat men and smash a ball home. He, he has this amazing talent. But it is a very strange dynamic. I, as, um, I, I don't think... I think if we can keep him, we should keep him. I don't think there's any question about that. And I take on board that the, the, the kind of the sight of ten million quid plus coming into the club. I can see why that turns supporters' heads and think, well, what can you get for that? And could you replace him? You probably could replace him for that, but there's no guarantees. And I do take on board as well that the, the four or five games that he was suspended for or he wasn't in the team for, we did play probably the best football of the entire season. But my kind of point is when it didn't matter. When it didn't matter, caveat it. It did. It did. That is exactly true. But what what I would say to that is that the problem we've had with Morelos this year is, for me, we've been too reliant on him, and it's simply because a lot of the things that we spoke about at the start of the pod about players not actually picking up the slack, like Sakandias or whoever Lafferty in particular for that position, we have been relying an awful lot in Morelos and his goals and if it wasn't for him the season would have been pretty disastrous to be quite honest with you and that is taking any contention his disciplinary and the times he's let us do badly so what I would like to see if he does stay is that the reliance on him isn't quite so heavy and, and the responsibility on his shoulders isn't quite so heavy and the fact that you could if you had a squad and you had other strikers or not so we do now in Defoe you can actually rest him for a game or two and you can actually take that heat off him and, and uh, minimise the potential for bookings and all this kind of stuff stacking up that's what happened in the past when we had t- t- uh, title winning squads you could do that he does have to keep an eye on his, his discipline I thought he was very lucky yesterday and um, he was unlucky and he was lucky because he was unlucky to get booked for fuck all his usual going after part right and then he was he was lucky that Colum didn't uh, send him to the head teacher's room for fucking clapping him. So um, he just needs to keep an eye on that. But I'm going to say this as well. Now, Colin, you're saying about him play acting. He is viewed and he is re- reviewed in a completely different light to other professionals that do exactly the same thing. Oh, he, he, he definitely is. The, there's a so, major spotlight on him. 
Yeah, he's just did, the, the, did nothing more. Yeah, the, the 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 part I mentioned the when he had the clash with the goalkeeper or the challenge with the goalkeeper, BT Sport showed that back about eight or nine times Aye. from every angle, just trying to find something that he'd done. They couldn't, but they, you weren't getting that volume of replays for any other incident with any other player. Aye, and and even the, the, when he was going to come on and find some stick, which I have no problem with that. I really, I think that's brilliant. Actually, no, we have spoken problem, about mate. this. Yeah, we've spoken about this before, Andy, on here, and I totally agree with you. Uh, Football fans are the most hypocritical bunch in the whole world. The abuse that Alfredo Morelos got yesterday was vile. He, he got it for 90 minutes. He scored the goal. All he did was turn around and do the kind of gab, gab, gab thing, you know, with the with his hands. Um, there's a, yeah, yeah, talk, big talk, talk, talk. And he gets booked for it. And it's like, no, hang on a minute here. And we, you know, we do it. I accept that this has happened at Ibrox as well. But as football fans, we've really got to grow up here, here because it's just caught, you know, we can howl at this terrible abuse at somebody, and if they dare to turn round and just give us a slight bit back, we we turn into Rita Hayworth and go, "Oh my God, <laughs> did you see this? Oh, it's like no, come on!" If and and I look, it was a booking under the rules. It really was. I've got no problem with it, but I just think we as football fans need to be a bit less pathetic. So what's that booking for incitement of the fans in case something some fucking fanny runs on the party Basically, or yeah, in case you know, wind up fans, you could cause trouble. Uh, and look, that's the rule, and I get it, and I'm not complaining about the booking. I'm genuinely not. Uh, but I do think the reaction from, as I say, that it was the sections of the crowd that had given them dogs abuse for and, and really bad uh, abuse throughout the whole match. He turns around, he gives them a gesture back, and it's not even a get it right fucking up you gesture, which as we know is allowed in certain circumstances in Scottish football. Um, it's you know just a yeah 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 shut you know, shut your mouth basically, and they go. I mean the rage in their faces. You would genuinely think he'd you know taken out his cock and pissed on the Kumar next squirrel. It's <laughs> it's about it's just that hypocrisy irritates me and look I don't like when somebody I don't like at Ibrox is, is running past me after scoring a goal and giving me the shush I, I don't like that I admit it but given that I might have spent the previous few minutes calling that person uh, things that you wouldn't get away with calling them in the street my view is I need to shut my mouth and take that one you know just fair enough that's how this works um, I just think it's very uh, it's very Celtic in a way, and, and as we know that kind of Celticism is, is sort of spreading its way through Scottish football, which is oh, we want to give it out, but what? Well, no way can we take it. That that would be wrong, and I think that you saw that yesterday. Absolutely, I would. I would pay extra on my ticket to see one of the wee Kamarnock guys actually run on the park and square yeah. up to him. Alfie, Alfie would leave him like that. <laughs> yeah. mess and the flair. Yeah, I'm this charity boxing match, right? Kelly Ned versus Alfredo Morelos. I will pay, right? I will personally pay for the venue for that. <laughs> Come in, Orange Hall, I say. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right? Come on, like Ned, you don't even have to travel far. And Cross House is just up the road. Come on, you have no reason to back out of this. <laughs> Let's organise it. Yep, I think we need to get it done. The referee yesterday, lads. Well, he called him. First time we'd seen him since St Mirren. And, uh, yeah, um, he's a bad, bad referee. Now, there are two major incidents in the match. 
I'll be honest, I was in the opposite end. I was right behind the goal, and I did think it was a penalty when Barisic uh, clashed with the Kilmarnock player because I could see that he was pulling his shirt. That's all I saw. So I thought, yeah, that, that, that is a penalty. But I also thought Conor Goldson's was a penalty. Yeah. Um, if you're going to give them, by the way, I could also understand that if he's saying, no, there's not enough contact in either to give it. I do understand that. But you can't give one and not give the other. They're either both penalties or neither is. Um, and again, it's funny because we've just talked about Morelos and the abuse he gets. The dive from Taylor was ludicrous. If someone pulls your shirt, you do not fall forward like you're trying to leap. It, it was a proper Superman dive. Um, and I'm surprised the ref bought that because sometimes when refs see the ridiculous dive, they go, oh, it can't be a penalty because he's he's letting air. Um, and Colm is just such a... There was one point where Ryan Jack was trying to talk to him and he literally ran away, you know, as Jack was talking to him. And Jack lost the plot with him um, and then went after him and Colm ends up giving him a row. And I thought, that's entirely down to you because you didn't show him the basic respect of standing and listening to his point. He's a teacher, as we know, uh, an officious little prick, uh, clearly bullied and probably deservedly so when he was at school. And he's just an atrociously bad referee. We cannot put up with a standard of referee, and it, it makes our game this. He's, he's, he's another one of these ones that's been fast-tracked, and he's in a position... He's been in a position for far too long that he wasn't ready for, and he's shown no signs of getting better at it or improving as a referee. He, you actually saw him, like you said, with the Jack incident. That wasn't alone yesterday. He was running away from any sort of confrontation. He doesn't doesn't like players speaking to him. He actively runs away. Doesn't want any part of it. Um, my issue with the penalty isn't the fact that it's a penalty actually, because see when you pull somebody's shirt in the box like that. You're giving them the chance to give the penalty, whether they go down, whether they dive or not. You're giving them the opportunity to do it. My problem with the decision is that it wouldn't be a penalty at the other end of the park. And that's my big issue with it. And I, I think that we've seen it before with Colin with us as well. You mentioned the last game against St Mirren. That was the game where he sent Kandias off for nothing. And we just don't... He isn't of good enough quality to referee um, in terms of his ability to actually referee in the first place before you even talk about his temperament or his mental ability to do it. And it's just not good enough. And continuously, we're getting things like yesterday happening that are going to cost us. Luckily, yesterday's an end-of-season game. It doesn't really mean anything, but these things do happen. We've seen them all season, and he is just an atrocious referee that is not fit for purpose. Andy, you're a fair-minded fellow. Are we just griping here for no reason, or... Uh, do we have a point? I think I, I don't think there's bias. I think we've spoken about this before. I don't. I do not think there's there's referees go out to actually do as a bad turn, do Rangers a bad turn. But the level of refereeing in the country is is generally diabolical. I thought by this season standards, actually yesterday, Colin wasn't that bad in in general terms. But the refereeing decision for the penalty. Um, Effectively, when you compare O'Donnell going down in our box and Goldson going down in their box, the difference between the two is that Goldson needs to practice in terms of his theatrical falling to the ground because that's what got O'Donnell the penalty. Although he did have his hand on his shirt, I can see that, and it was a penalty if you're if you're going by later law. But so was Goldson's, and and so was Burks's for that matter when the ball hit his hand, and that's the one that Jack I think went and lost the rag with uh, with Colin because. We've had all the biomechanics shite this season and I think it was put to bed in the Man City Tottenham Hotspur semi-final when 
VAR showed quite clearly if you make yourself bigger and you put your hand out, it doesn't matter about the distance you are from the player that's, that's kicking the ball at you. It's a penalty. So therefore, the Burke one was a penalty for me as well. It didn't even get a second thought on the, um, BT Sport or Sports Scene. So I'm not surprised that Colm is, is the archetypal uh, wee angry man that tries to make himself look bigger because he's told to, because if you put your arms out to your side, it makes you look more efficient <laughs> and intimidating. He's a fucking, he's like a wee angry embryo, he really is. He's, he's, he's <laughs> not even a good referee, but he's on the, the FIFA list, I believe. He is, uh, yeah. I mean, he gets big. He's fucked up some massive European I, matches in his time as well. Uh, it, it's not something that just happens in Scotland. Andy, I'm so glad you did that because we're, we're going to move on here to something I wanted to do and you've foreshadowed it beautifully. Before we do, we're not going to talk about this week, folks, about you know, have we improved in the context of the season or anything like that. We're going to stick to yesterday's match for the simple reason is we will be bringing you a couple of specials over the summer where we'll go through the season and where we are and where we came and we'll look back on it. So we're going to do it properly rather than just uh, piecemeal today. So you've got those shows to look forward to through the summer. But what I do want to talk about, lads, are changes to the laws next season, or rather, changes to how a lot of the laws are interpreted is probably the right way to do it. And Andy touched on something there, which was penalties that have been given in Europe this season but would not have been given in our domestic league because the interpretation of the handball rule that, that we operate under is different to the inter- as crazy as that sounds, that is one of the things that happens, that you do get refereed differently in certain competitions. So to try and standardise this, um, IFAB, who are the uh, people behind rules and rule changes in Scotland, have uh, let us all know they have announced the raft of changes that will be coming next season that will apply to all leagues. So it will no longer be a case of us saying, uh, well, we we do this and that league might do that. They're trying to standardise it. So I want you guys, I'm going to go through these, and I just want to get your take on what you think and how you think these rules will affect us. So the first one is, funnily enough, handball. And handball is probably the biggest change in these new rules. Now, of course, we've seen a lot of dubiety this season, different people with different opinions on what constitutes a handball. Does it matter if it's accidental? I mean, that's a big thing. You hear a lot from pundits say, oh, well, it's accidental, and you'll hear referees say, well, that doesn't actually matter. Um, is it hand to ball? Well, that's another phrase we hear a lot. Well, uh, natural position, all of this. Well, Andy, um, basically a handball next season, even if it is accidental, that leads to a goal-scoring opportunity or a player gaining control of the ball, then a free kick will be awarded to the opposition straight away. So if somebody you know boots the ball at you and it hits your hand uh, or your arm and rebounds to another player who runs off, rather than the ref going, well, he didn't mean it, they'll blow it straight away. So it's got nothing to do with whether or not you meant it. It's just they, you gained an advantage, even accidentally. So he blows up and it's a free kick. Um, it'll also be a foul if the ball touches a player's hand and they make their body unnaturally bigger as a result. So th- these ones you see where the ball you know, hits a player's hand and he shoves his hands up in the air, that will now be a foul. Um, the rule states, or the rule change states, having the hand, arm, above shoulder height is rarely a natural position and a player is taking a risk by having the hand, arm in that position, including when sliding. So the view is, if you're in the box and you've got your hand up 
then biomechanics don't matter anymore. Uh, this thing we hear a lot of, or oh, you can't jump without putting your hands in the air. It doesn't matter if you are doing that, your hands are basically not by your side, they're up, then you run the risk. It's going to be given against you. What are your thoughts on those? I think it's long overdue. When you're reading that, I'm thinking of Richard Goff at Parkhead in 1989, so this is how long this has been on for. We've got a penalty against us for the exact same thing. He's, he's, the ball bounces up and hits him in the hand because his arm's out. I think it's uh, I think it's common sense because if you've got a player, an outfield player diving out like a goalkeeper and he just says, well, that's where my hand was, it shouldn't be a penalty, then that's a lot of crap. I, I think you see players putting their hands behind their back. And all this kind of stuff. Well, why are they doing it? They're doing it because of that very reason. They know that they run the risk of, of giving up a penalty or a free kick away if the ball hits their hand. So... I think that clarifies things quite a bit, actually. Now, this is one, Colin, that is going to be an absolute bastard for a lot of teams in Scotland, particularly at Ibrox, uh, and it's to do with substitutions. A player who's being subbed off must now leave the field at the nearest point, i.e. whatever he's closest to the touchline, instead of the centre of the pitch. Now, I think we've all seen, God, we see at Ibrox every week, where a player who knows he's about to be subbed off if the team are doing reasonably well and they want to waste a bit of time, he'll bolt off. And look, we've done it in Europe ourselves. I hope I end up. He'll bolt off to the far touchline or the far corner, and then he'll wander over taking up time as he, he gets substituted. You won't be allowed to do that anymore. If your number comes up, you've just got to leave the field immediately. There'll be none of this running over and touching the guy's hand and that's coming on, all that shit. Um, it's literally, if you are standing on the far touch line and your number comes up, you just leave. And yes, you have to walk round the pitch, which uh, might be fun if Celtic decide to <laughs> substitute Scott Brown, for example, but yeah. uh, Ibrox. But, yep, um, there'll be none of this Right, you, you're coming off, so belt over to the other flank. It will now be, as soon as your number goes up, you have to get off the pitch, whatever you are. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? I think that's an absolute no-brainer for me. Um, obviously, we have done it in the past in European games and things like that. We, we have been guilty of it. However, we are victims of it far, far more frequently than we ever do it ourselves. And you see it all the time. Injury time, the last three, three or four minutes, four minutes goes up on the board. The other team puts a substitution on. Those minutes very rarely get added on at that stage. Um, you're losing time. It's just an absolute waste. It sometimes takes the sting out of the game as well. The tactical when they do it, and that minute or ninety seconds it takes somebody to applaud every one of their teammates and everybody in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. off. It's it's just ridiculous. So yeah, for me that's a great one, which for a, for a change can only be a benefit to us because it's not something domestically we really do. Um, but every team that comes to Ibrox does do it. Uh, we've seen it pretty much every team that's came to us this season. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Really, I'm behind that one completely. Andy, the next one is at free kicks. Um, now, we've seen a lot of, lot of teams do this. Uh, again, we've done it, so it's I'm not having a go at anybody for this. It's, it's one of these international uh, things that happen all over the globe in football. And it's putting a player from the attacking team in a defensive wall when there is a free kick. Um, when there is a wall of three or more defenders, and that is important, 
uh, three or more defenders. An attacking player is not allowed within a yard of that wall, or the attacking team will be penalised, and a free kick will be the free kick will be rescinded and given to the opposition. Um, the the rulemakers say there is no legitimate tactical justification for attackers to be in the wall, and their presence is against the spirit of the game and often damages the image of the game. And uh, what they go on to say is that you you tend to see there's a lot of pushing and shoving, a lot of pulling. Um, it's very much a spoiler tactic. Uh, it doesn't really lead to anything very often other than maybe just trying to put the wall off. And it's gamesmanship is the word used. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one, Andrew? I think it's a quite a strange one because you think you, you would you would think that by putting an attacker in the wall, it's the attacking team that's getting the benefit, which is I thought was thought was a kind of default position for for rule changes to give the attackers a, a benefit. Um, so I'll be interested to see how they they make sure that no attackers are within one meter of the defensive wall. Because is that that means there's basically a one meter circumference around the wall. Basically, yeah. I mean, you can you can go and stand a yard away from the wall if you want. Um, uh, you'll be able to go and stand a yard in front of them, I suppose, but you so, will not. You will not be able to go and join the wall that we've seen. Uh, I, I, I'm not against this because a, it's pointless, and b, it is just to wind them up, and it does. You know, you get all the pushing and shoving and nonsense at free kicks. It holds up free kick. I've always just been. You're either good enough to score from this free kick, or you're not. Don't fanny about. Mm-hmm. No, I don't, I don't really. I can't even think an instance that's going to impact the game that much, to be quite honest with you, because if you can stand a metre in front of the ball, you can still blindside the, the, the goalkeeper, which is probably one of the main reasons for doing it, isn't it? To minimise his line of sight of the actual ball when it's getting uh, shooting. Colin, this one, um, I, I know annoys a lot of people, and that's penalties. Uh, and I'll be interested in this because there are a lot of penalty rules and they just don't get enforced anyway. But um, a goalkeeper now must have one foot on the goal line when the kick is taken. Um, previously, they were not allowed to leave their line. Um, I don't think I've seen a penalty in the last 15 years where the goalie hasn't ended up practically able to shake hands with the, with the taker. But... They will have to keep one foot on the line. The assistant referee will be the man who is, or the woman, who is charged with making sure. Um, uh, according to IFAB, I'm not sure I agree with this. It says one foot being on the line is easier for a referee to identify than both. Well, okay. Um, goalkeepers also can't touch the goalpost, crossbar nets, and they must not be moving so they can't put off the attacker. Um <laughs> I'm a bit dubious simply because there's been all sorts of rules at penalties for years and they never, ever get enforced. Yeah, this will be a, t- a difficult one for me because it's going to take strong referees and strong lines um, people um, to actually get a demand a retake or if a goal scored, stop it or do whatever they need to do and make a big decision. It's, it's far easier to get somebody off a pitch quicker for a substitution or make sure a free kick's taken properly. But a penalty is such a, an, a game-changing situation. It'll be a will take balls that I don't think our referees have to actually enforce this. The staying on the line thing, I'm totally behind. It's good. They should stay on their line. Um, the other thing about not not hitting the goalposts and all, you see a lot of keepers get up and they kick their studs off the post and make a noise and things like that before the guy hits it. I, I don't think that's the, that big a deal for me. Um, I don't it, understand the they're not allowed to touch the crossbar. I don't get. I mean, for me. It's clearly it's a, a trying to you know show the guy look I'm look how big I am and I'm you know filling this goal, 
that to me would fall in acceptable gamesmanship. It, it certainly doesn't fall under cheating or anything like that. I, I I think that's a little harsh that one, and I doubt very much that will be. I mean, what are you going to do um, if the goalkeeper uh, touches the crossbar? Are you going to uh, and he saves it? Is somebody going to award a, a reaward the penalty? If somebody will bound to that, yeah. that always happens. But that's... I just don't have any faith that that one will get uh, will get implemented, or rather, will be policed. Um, because they never do, and, and you just need to look at some goalkeepers now are practically the fucking halfway line by the time a, a penalty kick is taken. So uh, we'll see. Andy, this one's interesting, and uh, it's drop balls that um, instead of uh, when a referee stopped play, for example, from a head injury, or of course there was the incident in the Rangers Hibs game a couple of weeks ago. And the referee then orders a team to return the ball to the, the opponent. There's non-contested drop ball. Now the referee will be able to just give the ball back to the team who had it. Um, and he'll just roll the ball back to the team who had it, roughly where they had it. No player except the player um, receiving the ball. No player is allowed within four and a half yards of the ball at that point. Um, so you can't just go and stand next to him, wait till the ref gives him the ball and immediately tackle him. But it's to prevent what IFAB call manufactured drop balls, i.e. the ref says, right, I'm going to do a drop ball, but you bugger off. And the reason for it is to stop teams who, once there is a drop ball incident, it's to stop teams basically. Goalkeeper pretends he's got a head knock, someone pretends they've got a head knock, the ref has to stop play, does. Um, the ref does a drop ball and says, give them the ball back, but they boot the ball 60 yards up the park, um, thus ending the attack. Now the ball would stop, head knock, the ref would stop it, uh, and then he would tell everyone, you know, go to your position, basically go where you like, but you need to be at least a, a four and a half yards, which is an odd one, but still four and a half yards away from the player, and he just gives the ball back to that player to restart. No, that makes sense, because, uh, well, it stops manufactured kind of time-wasting, and a drop ball is sometimes, well, it's never in favour of the, the team that had possession at the time of the, the game was stopped, so it's just a natural restart, so I can see the benefit of that, actually. So, I that's one that Andy approves. Colin, quick free quick, uh, quick free kick even. Um, not easy to say if you say it too quickly. Um, and that's, uh, we've seen before, if a referee is about to issue a yellow or a red card and a team takes a quick free kick, the ref can delay the card until the next stoppage in play. And how often have you seen the refs writing out a yellow card? They take a quick free kick and he brings it back because he says, I haven't finished my admin, basically, I haven't finished giving this guy a yellow card. Now he can just stop, immediately go on with the play. When it stops, return to the booking. It's, again, that's pretty sensible. No issues with that. Um, if you play FIFA on the PlayStation, that's been a thing for quite some time. So good that it's making its way into real football. Good. No issues with that for me either. Art imitating life or, or the other way around in this case. And the last one, Andy, and this is something that's, that I think has happened in the last few years because... Uh, we've seen this a lot with the pressing game in modern football. A rule is that a goal kick, the ball must leave the penalty area um, before anyone can touch it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ball had to leave the penalty area before uh, players resumed, basically. Um, and what has happened now, you'll see a lot defenders split. You see this all the time. Centre-backs split. They go out wide either side of the goal because the goalkeeper is going to pass the ball out. And teams will press up. And if the goalkeeper plays a risky pass, 
Defenders who will stand on the edge of the box, if they're about to be closed down, they simply walk into the box and touch the ball. And what happens under the current rules then is the referee will reset, the goal kick will be taken again. So it, that does stop the opposing team having, you know, the attacking team having an advantage. Now, if he steps in to win the ball, it's it's on, it's live, it doesn't matter. So that's why that change has been brought in. No, I think that's a, a fair a fair change as well. It makes the game more dynamic. The game can get restarted quicker. Um, and it, it, potentially, I can see it if a defender's going back to take the ball in the box, and as you say, the, attack, the pressing attacker can move up the park. It spreads the game. So it'll be interesting how that actually gets utilised tactically. OK, so uh, a lot of interesting rule changes there. Um, and we'll see what happens with them next season. I, I'm sure, like most listeners... Uh, that you're sitting there right now, folks, thinking, God, are we going to new things for them? They're bad enough with the current lot, but uh, we'll see how they get on with it. Now, before we leave you for this week, and as I say, we will be back. Uh, it won't be here next week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the first of our look back at the season. Um, we want to just thank you because you made a member uh, once, it was on one show only, we asked if you would vote for us in the British Podcast Awards because a lot of people already had. And we didn't, we didn't want to, you know, beg and just be all the time that you go, oh, bugger off, because they're on about it constantly. Um, we finished in the top twenty, and there are some remarkable names in the top twenty, such as uh, the Kermode Mayo Post, that Peter Crouch podcast is in there. Uh, us in the Anfield Rap are the only football ones. George Ezra is in there, David Tennant's podcast is in there, so it really is remarkable for our pod to finish in the top 20, we finished 17th uh, and this is not just sports podcast folk, this is every podcast in Britain and we finished 17th, so we just want to thank you all for voting for us, it's a remarkable achievement lads and one we're very proud of Unbelievable Jeff. it really is something else because uh, what does that make us in terms of sports podcast? The second Really? Mm-hmm which, which number one of interest? You know? Anfield, Anfield Rap. All right. That's some going. Some we, going well, yeah, we can't compete in China with, uh, with the Anfield Rap, I'm afraid. But um, the, to be in the top 20 is incredible. There are literally thousands of podcasts now at Call, and you listen to most of them. And yeah. <laughs> that's to, a, to, to that's finish just... so high is unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. One of the one of the podcasts that got me into podcasts was Kermode Kermode Mail. That was one of the first ones I remember listening to quite religiously. And to have this podcast that I play a very small part in in that same sort of category is just it's unreal. It's the it's the sort of company we're in there is people that have got not just UK wide but worldwide exposure mm-hmm. that have got like we we are a specialist podcast. We're a podcast for one set of football supporters. These, other than the Liverpool one, the other ones are a lot more wider reaching than us. They've got a lot more sort of um, probably planning. They've probably got big, massive teams, production teams behind them. Oh, they do. And Mark, they've, got, they've got advertising them. budgets. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't want to blow our own trumpet, but this is a bloody a, a outstanding achievement that we all should really be proud of. And it's not us that's done it. It's you guys no. voting for us. So thank yeah. you very, very much. Yes, exactly. While we are proud of it, what we're proud of is the fact that you thought enough of us listeners to do it. Um, it we couldn't have done it uh, short of rigging it, but I'm not sure how we did it. We don't have an advertising budget. We certainly don't have enough to bribe <laughs> judges. Um, 
and what we're proud of is not, oh, look at us, how great we are. It's, wow, people actually took time out their lives to go and do this and vote for us. So thank you so much. It means the world to us. And if you want to continue to help the pod develop, the best way to do that is to subscribe, and that's to visit uh, our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. That's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Throughout the summer, a lot of football... Uh, the stuff you may regularly do at the moment goes on hiatus. We don't. Uh, we will be there constantly with loads and loads of great content. So football may switch off, but I know myself as a football fan, I don't. And uh, we're going to be there making sure that you're up to date with absolutely everything that's going on and plenty of great Rangers content throughout the summer. Just one ninety nine per month to kick off and it's uh, heart and hand. Visit our Patreon site. Thank you very much then to our, uh, our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Paul Myers. And thank you to my two splendid guests. I thoroughly enjoyed this tonight. First of all, Andy McGowan. Pleasure as always, David. Secondly, Mr Colin McMillan. Yeah, thank you everyone. The foot will be back before you know it. We'll be back in a fortnight, so we're hardly going away. Until then, you have a great two weeks, and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.